Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. The OG3 are here. Bradley is in his studio, we'll call it his office, so we can actually hear him this week, which is very nice. He won't be breaking up or driving on the road, and which is good because it is a Bradley episode. A Dr. Bradley J. Hines, PhD, tenured professor episode where we talk about what's going on up at Morris. How are you doing, Brad? Oh, doing great. It's sunny and hot out, so... We, we hoof trim, was hoof trimming our whole herd today, so we did all of that too. Hoof trimming when you have a good sweat going is not great. <laughs> hoof trimming with all those little shards of hoof flying everywhere and you're sweating in the dust, you just, at the end of the day, you're just covered head to toe in grit of hoof. Same, same with clipping cattle, because then all the oh, little exactly. hairs stick to you, or if you're putting up small square bales of alfalfa. Also the same thing when it's really leafy. So, I mean, do you have a swimming pool at the dairy yet that you guys can cool off in or what's going on? <laughs> no, I should. I should though. I just need to write a grant to do it. I bet you I could come up with some creative reason to why we should put a swimming pool. You could I do it agree. as like a quality of life angle and like introduce that. Cause then you could write me into the grant too. You could come do some uh, mental health stuff with my yeah. pool. It could yeah. be like a, a benefit of working at the Morris Dairy is that you have access to this pool. Exactly. Exactly. I'm in. Let's start digging a hole. And I used to be a lifeguard and a water safety instructor. So I taught Me swimming too. lessons. So we could totally do like water aerobics classes. Oh, community involvement. Stress relief day at the Morris pool. Love that. It sounds good. There is a pool there right now, but it is kind of just a manure storage lagoon not very fun to swim in exactly please don't swim in that if people want to know trimming we trim 236 cows we started at seven this morning and we're done by 1 30. we have really a, good. a couple people wow. come in and they just do the whole herd every six months you know before that we used to have a lot of lameness and in the conventional herd it felt like some days we were going through bottles of exceed and x and l like it was going out of style so we've started to hoof trim. We, we just trim everything, all of our lactating cows, every six months, whether they need it or not. All, And today there was, out of 236 cows, we only blocked one cow. That's wow. Really good. So that's, uh, it's been a pretty big benefit to us. Yep, it, it, it costs money, but I think in the long run, it's much better for us. We just don't have the lame cows anymore. So that's awesome. right. probably, probably saves you money actually. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Especially with the organics when it's tough, if they have something, you know, there's not all kinds of stuff you can do uh, with an organic cow that gets lame or some other foot problems. There's some things, but yeah. preventative oh, care, um, right? Dr. Joe management. <laughs> exactly. All comes down to management. All right. Well, the purpose of today is We've had a much different year this year than last year. We talked about, you know, some of the things that Brad was doing on the dairy last year with the drought and looking at what do you do with forages? What do you plant? What what are some strategies when you're short on rain? Now, we've gotten considerably hotter lately, but uh, this spring was wet and we have a completely different situation this year. So we're looking to get an update from Bradley on what did they do different? with how wet it was, what has changed, what have they had to adjust because the weather is completely different this year. 
So, so Brad, give us an overview. What what's going on on the forage side? Well, you know, we we started grazing the first week of May because we had so much rain that the pastures grew like crazy. So, you know, and we were really moving our cows through the pasture really fast because trying to keep up with the grass was really difficult. And it still is, you know, we got, I have pastures that are heading out right now that are, we're trying to get back to a second time. And we have 220 milking cows. We have both the organic and conventional herd out grazing now. There's been so much grass. So that's been a, a good benefit to us. Uh, to be able to do that. And, you know, <clears throat> our pastures are really productive now, at least some of them, a few of them we're going to have to rethink. But one other thing that we've done is <clears throat> we've had rye. We planted winter rye last year. So we were able to graze winter rye. Uh, we did that about two weeks ago. So early June. And we had like 14 acres of winter rye that we we're grazing. So that caused, you know, some of the other pastures to grow a lot faster and get out of control. So it was just a benefit to have some of that grazing and uh, provide a lot of forage for the spring. You said you couldn't keep up with the grass. Have you had to get to the point where you're cutting some of those pastures and making hay instead? Or what have you had to do there? Yeah, we've had to cut two of them. Yeah, we just chopped it for silage, I guess grass some grass silage to help keep ahead of it otherwise it would just it would go go to seed and and probably not be as high a quality but may, that might be okay our cows aren't being supplemented with tmr we haven't supplemented cows since early may so they've been running on 100% grass for almost 2 months now that's a good thing we're saving on stored feed too Absolutely. So tell me what that did to the tank. What happened to your bulk tank when you guys went to grass that heavily and you, you weren't even supplementing, no TMR, it's just straight pasture? That milk production went up about eight pounds a cow <laughs> when we went to the, you know, really good lush grass. It's kind of settled settled now a little bit. We still maintain that production, but we we increase. So it's really good grass. And <clears throat> this morning I looked at the at the cows and they're a little loose, you know, it, the grass is still really productive, high protein. And it was like, whoa, that maybe we should think about doing some supplementing because they're maybe a little loose. So I got to kind of look at, at what that is. I should look at the MUNs on our herd to see what the, what that is. We're running um, about 11 to 12, maybe a few 13s on MUN. So it's not like outrageously high but you know there were a couple of days that maybe was at 15 or something so it just depends on what pasture they're in but it's not terrible is it pretty rare to get to that point where the grass is just too good because it can get good for a short period of time usually but we've had good grass for a long time can it get can it get too good uh, I think it can get too good from a protein standpoint too much protein and I still think that's what's happening now you know, even when we turned out cows in early June, they weren't as loose as what they are now. So even the second grazing on some of this grass is still really good and they're really loose. So we all, everybody knows what that's like when cows are really loose. It, don't stand behind them. But Yeah, parlors get a little messier when that happens. And uh, I've certainly been covered head to toe because of that before. And, and I was just talking to Troy Salzer about that. It's 
it's definitely happened multiple times where I've been covered head to toe and I can't even see. I need a towel to to be able to see where I'm going to get out of the chute after something like that happens. And and the parlor gets messy too. Do you do you guys right. see any difference in mastitis when the when you notice the cows are like that? Yeah, you know, mastitis has gone up a little bit here. You know, our cell counts a couple days have spiked into the lower 300s, which is not ideal, but you know, that's all weather flies, some mud, it's rained a lot. So we've had mud issues. And so there's always, and you know, there's flies are a lot of it. So that's a problem. You know, it's, I was looking at the cows today and I'm like, Oh man, there's so many flies on cows and we're using our cow vacuum. And so it's, uh, flies are a challenge. That's another whole episode we can, and we have talked about flies a lot. Um, They don't, uh, the topic doesn't ever seem to go away. We can talk about flies probably every other episode if we wanted to. So you've got too good of grass or grass that's really going crazy. You're trying to keep up with it grazing. You're saving on stored feed, but what's your plan for the fall? What are you going to do to kind of maximize the time you have out on pasture? What else are you thinking about planting? What's the plan going into fall? Well, some of the winter rye that we have grazed, we're actually going to plow it and then plant sorghum sudan grass here. So we can, you know, I think we're doing that this week. So we can start, we can maybe get two good grazings of sorghum sudan grass yet this summer, maybe one into September if it uh, goes well and we get a little shot of rain, but that's what the plan is. I think we're going to try some pearl millet this year as well in, in one of the pastures to help. We had 20 acres of uh, winter rye that we actually chopped for silage, kind of some heifer feed for maybe the winter or just some forage. And that's 20 acres. And we're going to plow that down and plant uh, sorghum sedan grass as well for that. Uh, we haven't quite decided yet uh, whether we're going to graze it or we're going to chop it for silage. You know, that's kind of the benefit that we've talked about before. You, it's it's pretty flexible. We can do what we want with it. And we'll see what happens when the time comes, if it grows. You know, we talked about manure sheds not too long ago with Melissa Wilson. What considerations when you're, you've you got winter rye there already, and then you're going to chop that, then you're going to plow it under. And it feels like you're you're using that land pretty hard or you're using it repeatedly. Do you have considerations on the, the nutrient side for that ground? We do. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe put a little bit of manure on the, the ground just to help with some of the fertility. It's kind of more a little bit sandy type field and maybe the nutrient profile isn't as great, but we'll put a little bit there, but not much. You know, the cows, where the winter rye is where we grazed, the cows have provided enough fertility that we don't have to uh, add any more there. So is this in that hill like pasture where you keep your heifers over the winter we do yes okay yep, the exact spot so it's kind of one of those rotations where we we like that those pastures to be flexible and whether it's a fall uh, well fall planted a winter rye and sorghum sedan grass we've also thought about going in there with oats and grazing some of that so it's we like to have a little bit of flexibility and you know, you can never predict the weather. It hasn't rained a whole lot here in the last couple of weeks. So it's getting dry. We could use a little rain and, you know, when it's 102 or whatever for a few days, it dries things out really fast. 
one of the things I think about a lot is that a lot of years we're short betting and we need a lot of betting, especially when you're going to house your cattle outside like you do. How much does a providing bedding come into the the plan when you're talking about forages that you plant and where and how many, especially in a year like this where you might have an opportunity to catch up and bank some bedding because you, your grass has been so good? Yeah, you know, bedding's always a problem, especially for our organic herd. Not many people make straw bedding or grow small grains or they like to plow that back into the ground, you know, for fertility. So we try to make some bedding uh, out of oats or rye that we have as well. So it, it, it's always a little touchy on the years. It just depends on whether we can get enough or not. And we thought about making some of it ourselves. So yeah, we, we try with some of the bedding, but it's not always perfect. Sometimes I think we'd rather have the feed and then try to find the bedding you know, because we can use some sawdust and other things for bedding. It doesn't necessarily have to be total straw. Are there any major, major changes you can see this year that whenever it's wet like this, you specifically think about, we have an opportunity to do this because our grass is so good and it gets you excited. Is there something that comes to mind? Well, of course, milk more cows, but (laughs) that's always a challenge. You know, it's uh, being able to manage the animal inventory with the forage is always difficult. I think the really the big thing is trying to harvest some of that, whether you bale it or you know make it for silage is always helpful because we never can predict what going into the winter, what type of feed we're going to have. You know, most of the corn that was planted out here in western Minnesota was planted late May. So will we have silage yields like we normally will? I, I don't know. And that, so that's a, that's a challenge. So some of the hay uh, grass pastures, it's always nice to chop it so we have some winter feed because we just can't predict what's going on. That's the way, you know, weather's been crazy in the last few years. It's just all these extremes and it's really hard to manage forage availability when you have all these uh, weather extremes. So it's less predictable. It is. So, it really yeah. is. Is that kind of why you fell in love with sorghum sedan grass? Just because it, it will grow and it doesn't matter if it gets water or not, pretty much. Right, right. It, it just, it grows well. Even in really dry years, yeah, you might not quite have the yield if you don't get a little shot of rain, but I did research with it oh, almost 10 years ago. We started researching with sorghum sedan grass and I pretty much swear by it now and we always try to include some of it because you just don't know and the winter rye i really like the winter rye grazing you and it's flexible you can either chop it or graze it and that's provided a lot of forage for us yep you we got to have a pasture ready to go in august to plant rye into so that's if if you have the flexibility to do that it makes sense it just makes sense all right. Well, I think we'll wrap it there. We've got the the forage plan for Bradley for the year in a wet year versus last year, which was just an ugly drought. So, Em, any final thoughts? No, I just hope everybody out there was taking notes. Yeah. You know, the, the man of... himself was sharing his wisdom. Shameless plug. We're having a field day Tuesday, August 9th. If you want to come to Morris in western Minnesota, we'll showcase some of this uh, grass species stuff that we've been working with so 
Perfect. And I imagine Joe will put that in the show notes. I will put it in the show notes. And <laughs> How did I, I know? Put it on my calendar right now. If it's not already, it's already on my calendar. If you have questions, comments, or any skating rebuttals about today's episode, you can email those to themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can also call and ask us a question on our new voicemail and potentially be featured in a future episode of The Moose Room. To leave us a voicemail, you can call 612-624-3610. Follow us on Twitter at UMN Moose Room and at UMN Farm Safety. And be sure to visit our website to learn more, extension.umn.edu. Bye! Bye. Bye. Bye.